0: Good morning, Liberty lovers. It's Saturday, December 5th, 2020. This is Living with Liberty, your source for exposing those who want to take away your rights and freedoms. I am Ryan, your host. Today we'll talk about the narrative shift back to COVID, as well as what appears to be the full-on push from Big Pharma to cash in some of their chips with their government bureaucrat underlings. All next on Living with Liberty, Covidiacy has fully taken back the narrative spotlight. Some of it is to deflect from the voter fraud hearings that seem to reveal more and more every day, and some of it is to generate hysteria ahead of the vaccine that is on the precipice of release. Today's show will have a couple of parts on the topic. First segment will be on really more stories of elites behaving badly, and second, we will dive into the vaccine and the the trials itself. So now we are up to a dirty dozen on hypocritical elected officials. In the latest addition to the Rules for the Not for Me Club is Austin, Texas Mayor Stephen Adler. Old Stevie here takes things to a whole new level of ballsiness by sending this message to stay home while in Mexico. I've got about a 30-second clip here that I'll play for you. You know, stay home if you can. Do everything you can to try to to keep the numbers down. This is not the time to to relax. Now we know that video from Austin Mayor Stephen Adler was recorded in Mexico, where he flew on a private jet with eight others, following a wedding with 20 guests, while the city discouraged gatherings of 10 or more. Last night, he issued this mea culpa. I'm sorry I took that trip. Uh, It was a lapse in judgment. Adler becomes the 12th Democratic official caught saying one thing while doing another, often in violation of rules they endorsed. Shout out to NewsBusters for that clip. Now I'll link uh, the NewsBusters story in the description box so you can watch the video of this. In the video, you'll, you'll see that he is literally looking down at his camera while he delivers this message. Adler here is trying to convey a position of royalty as he tells his plebeian subjects to stay home. He is saying, Never mind that I flew down to Mexico on a private plane with eight other people. Never mind that I attended a wedding with 20 other people, likely maskless. You, my royal subjects, can only be in groups of ten or less with your masks on. You should just stay home. Then he takes a page out of Gavin gruesome's book and offers a, an insincere apology. I'm sorry I took that trip, Adler says. It was a lapse in judgment, he drones on. No, you sad sack excuse for an elected official, you are only sorry you got caught. You aren't sorry you took your little Mexican holiday on the private flight. You truthfully aren't really all that sorry you got caught. The machine that elected you is probably strong enough to get you elected again, so you don't worry about the p- optics of it, all, of it all. You just issue an empty apology to try and get your suffering citizens Back on your side in a little old-fashioned dog and pony show to say, see, we are all together on this. I just made a little selfish mistake that I won't hesitate to make again when it comes to holiday gathering time. Speaking of holidays, Supreme Beloved Fuhrer of L.A., Eric Garcetti, threw down the cancel-everything call in his latest presser announcing a new stay-at-home order. This is including Christmas. So the assault on our traditions continues, really to no one's surprise. His order basically isolates people from the outside world. It requires people to remain in their house, no gathering with anyone outside their household, with an, exemp- an exemption for the homeless. Well, gee, dear leader Garcetti, that was right kind of you to exempt the homeless. Apparently the virus will distinguish, be- distinguish between people with homes congregating and those who do not have homes. There are, of course, exemptions for essential businesses. Among those essential businesses, music, film, and television production. Huh. A small business that is someone's means of providing for themselves and their family may or may not be essential, but businesses that I think we have found to be the very essence of non-essential, music, film, and TV are deemed essential. So we have to get the narcissist celebrities back in the studios, the very people who could likely weather, not working, who really aren't essential to life at all. But you may have to shut down your family supporting business. If I, King Garcetti, deem it non-essential, you can draw your own conclusions on that one. Sticking in Southern California, we have Prince Harry thinking that we care what he has to say. Someone should tell him we stopped caring at least in 1776, probably well before that, what, th- uh, the, uh, what thoughts the British royalty had? Apparently, Harry views COVID as Mother Nature punishing humanity for how much we've taken from the earth, pandering to the climate change brigade. Hey, Harry, do you not get the news on that private jet? You and Megs are flying all over the place. The virus is likely not a naturally occurring virus. There's been a couple of uh, virologists with pretty decent credentials that have come out and said so. Maybe pick up something other than a CNN feed to see what's actually going on in the world. You'd find out that the virus came from China. If you did actual data, you'd find out that for the vast majority of people, this thing just isn't the plague it's been made out to be. Certainly not Mother Nature punishing us. This all brings us to one of America's favorite flip-floppers which we will then roll into the vaccine topic, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Finally, Dr. Fauci has given his blessing to get the kids back in school. He says if you look at the data, the spread among children is not very big at all. Uh, yeah, we know. Those of us who actually do facts and figures and research have seen the studies that figured this out last spring. You, as usual, are late to the party and had been wrong the whole time. This is why nobody is listening to you, Dr. Fauci. You have totally not been following the science and now have basically reinforced that fact in your latest proclamation to send the kids back to school by giving us information we've had for months. So now that we are on the cusp of having Fauci's vaccine, that will solve everything, get us back to some sort of normal, as he says. I found some really interesting points of data on the vaccine I want to share. Stuff that the mainstream media isn't necessarily sharing widely, but I think needs to be out there so we can make an informed choice on this vaccine that's been rushed through the process. First, though, I want to point out a few things for those who haven't listened yet to Episode 7. I encourage you to go back and listen. I go in depth uh, on the CDC's plans for vaccine and uh, vaccines and pushing vaccines in that episode. Uh, right now, though, I'll give you a quick list of the rundown as we kind of head into this topic here of what those, uh, what those uh, plans are the CDC has. The CDC is basically the mouthpiece for Big Pharma's vaccine business. There's a seven-step plan that they follow uh, to push these vaccines. The key points from that plan are, uh, one, make sure it sounds really bad to those who aren't vulnerable. Two, make sure the genesis of the epidemic or pandemic is in a major metro area with a major, metro, uh, major media presence. Three, get medical experts in front of the camera to tell us how bad th- uh, things are. Four, feed souped up numbers to the lamestream media mockingbirds to keep the fear going. And kind of the fifth important point here is find the worst case scenarios to put in front of the camera which are always the vast minority of cases. Now, I found that there's an added tactic here as we close in on the COVID vaccine, and it's in our old friends, the fake polls. Uh, They're making a comeback here. In a Gallup poll on the likelihood Americans would take the COVID vaccine, 34% said they would not do it, or they would do it, I'm sorry, would do it in July. A poll taken the week of Uh, this poll was taken the week of July 20th to the 26th. Now, as we've gone on through time, that poll uh, reached 50-50 in data gathered September uh, 14th through the 27th. So as we can see, we've got a 16% increase there in uh, those saying they would take the vaccine. And as of the latest poll, which is uh, ended, uh, data collection ended November 1st, We are now at 58% of Americans saying they are likely to take the COVID-19 vaccine. I find this interesting. What's changed over the course of those few months? Are people finally giving in? Maybe. Democrats have done all they can to please their big pharma masters by locking people up, telling them we need a vaccine to open up. Now, I interact with a fair amount of people in daily life and, you know, through my uh, social media account on Parler. And I would say, you know, the, what I can uh, gather there would could be construed as a good statistical sample size. Now, the people I interact with, not a one has changed their minds. Parler posts from uh, from my connections there haven't wavered in their opposition to the vaccine. What I think is happening here is media manipulation and skewed sampling in the polls. This polling is an effort to make it seem like acceptance of the vaccine is increasing. From what I can tell, it's not. I'll include the link to this, uh, this poll in the description box so you can look at the data visually for yourself. Uh, what I'm going to describe here, uh, you know, if I had a, if I had a, a video show, it would be a lot easier. Um, I'll do my best to describe what I, what I found in these charts here. I'd encourage you to go uh, to the link and pull up the, uh, the Gallup uh, poll and story yourself and look at the charts for yourself. Now, polling uh, broke the uh, respondents out into political parties, Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. In that initial poll, where we saw the fifty-eight percent or the thirty-four uh, uh, percent acceptance rate amongst Americans for the vaccine in that July to twenty, uh, 20 to twenty-six poll, uh, the Democrats supported eighty-three uh, percent for getting the vaccine. There was fifty-nine percent uh, acceptance among Independents and forty-six percent among Republicans. Now, throughout uh, the summer and into, let's call it the early fall, into that September poll where we saw the 50-50, Democrats and independents held pretty steady in their support uh, of the vaccine, while Republicans steadily declined, bottoming out at one point at a 37% acceptance rate. The period of, uh, and that's in the period ending um, August 17th to the 30th. At the point where polling supposedly reached that 50-50 split uh, in September, uh, the uh, September fourteenth to the twenty-seventh polls, uh, Democrats' support actually bottomed out at fifty-three percent. Independents bottomed out at forty-seven percent, and the Republicans bounced back up to forty-nine percent. Subsequent polling, the subsequent polling period of October nineteenth to November first saw Democrats' support for the vaccine rise back up to 69% of respondents, while independents and Republicans held steady at 49% each. To bring this back together, beginning polls saw a 34% acceptance of the vaccine, with an 83% acceptance rate amongst Democrats, 59% acceptance rate among independents, and 46% acceptance rate with Republicans. But in the latest poll, poll, we now have a 58% acceptance rate of the vaccine, with lower numbers of acceptance across the board. We seem to have a case of pollsters trying to influence public opinion yet again with crap data. It's not possible to be down 14% in acceptance rate with Dems, down 10% with Independence and only up three percent with Republicans, and have a twenty-four percent increase overall in acceptance rate of the vaccine without oversampling one group versus another. I say don't be fooled by these polls; they have become another manipulation tool by those in charge and those in the media. In conjunction with these fake polls, there seems to be some glossing over of the side effects of the vaccine especially by the CDC. Berkeley Lovelace Jr., in his article on CNBC.com, starts to socialize these concerns on side effects and what impact that will have on people returning for their second dose. Moderna and Pfizer acknowledge that the vaccines could, again could, induce side effects that are similar to symptoms associated with mild COVID-19. These are things like muscle muscle pain, chills, and headaches. But Lovelace Jr. also notes uh, that both public health, health officials and drug makers need to warn people that coronavirus shots could have some rough side effects so they aren't scared off in getting that second dose. Huh. Let's think about that for a second. Moderna and Pfizer vaccines require two doses for effectivity. It seems that both companies and the CDC are playing down the side effects a bit uh, to move more vaccines? No? I think it's a valid question here. In what I've found, it seems that the could-have side effects is more like will-have side effects. Now, participants in both Moderna's and Pfizer's studies told CNBC in September that they experienced high fevers, body aches, Uh, bad headaches, day-long exhaustion, and other symptoms after receiving the vaccine. Symptoms were described as uncomfortable and intense at times, but in order to be fair here, went away generally after a day or so in uh, in most cases. One woman in North Carolina uh, who participated in the uh, Moderna study, uh, who is also uh, in her 50s, Reported no fever, but suffered from a bad migraine that drained her energy for a day and left her unable to focus. She reported feeling better the next day after taking Excedrin, but did it. Uh, but added Moderna may need to tell uh, the people who are taking the vaccine in uh, that second dose that they need the next day off. Now consider this too about the side effects and whether this is a, uh, a could have side effects or not. There were people within these studies who did not experience side effects, but since the side effects were so well uh, spread and and seemed to affect the majority of people, they asked if they actually got a dose of the vaccine at all. They asked if they got a placebo. Uh, you know, I find that very, uh, very interesting and very telling about this vaccine and it, and the effects it has on people. Now, kind of getting back to this idea of having, uh, taking the next day off for a second after you get that second dose. I, I mean, who can really afford to take a day off after the second dose? I mean, there's a lot of hardworking people out there who have lost their jobs uh, you know, maybe hopefully have a job backline line uh, back at or back on the job at that point. Are they really going to be able to take a day off of that job to to um, to to basically do nothing but have side of experience side effects from this vaccine? And yeah, not to mention who would want to spend a day off of uh, off of recovering from vaccine side effects. You know, this is all from a vaccine that you know we're starting to see some come out and ask the question: Is it really necessary? Laura Ingram had renowned microbiologist Dr. Sukharit Bakti on her show uh, December second. She first asked Bakti about his research on the impact of social distancing and masks. Bakti. Uh, he noted that neither policy is backed up by any science at all well we already kind of knew that I knew all, I know all my li- listen uh, all my listeners get that uh, Bhakti advises that everyone sit down research ask if these policies make sense and come to your own conclusions don't just take you know media and government word for it Ingram also asked Bhakti about Fraudchi's claim that 75% of the population would need to be vaccinated against COVID 19 to achieve herd immunity. Bhakti's response is fantastic and pure gold and echoes all of our sentiment of Dr. Fraudchi. Bhakti described the assertion that 75% of people need to be vaccinated as utter nonsense and added this uh, statement saying about Fauci uh, that someone who says this has not the slightest inkling of basic immunology. Wow, thank you, Dr. Bhakti, for calling out Fauci the fraud even more. Dr. Bhakti did add in his uh, closing of the segment that he thinks the vaccine is downright dangerous and offered this warning. If you go along these lines, you are going to go to your doom. Now, this is a data point For consideration, of course. Is he being a bit hyperbolic? Perhaps. But the question we should ask ourselves is who are we going to trust more? A renowned microbiologist who is researching these things day in and day out, or a guy who has been the head of a government bureaucracy for 40 years with nothing to show for it, and has obviously realized, or not realized, that his 15 minutes of fame are up. Someone who will say anything to stay in front of the cameras, just to stay relevant, whether it's science-based or not. I know who I'll trust. Now I want to tie this up with an article from Michelle Malkin. It's in the World Tribune and is titled, U.S. News Consumers Are Right to be Skeptical in 2020, especially, Especially About Miraculous Vaccines. I like how she starts the article with the hyperbolic responses from government health officials and Big Pharma's cheerleaders. Things like, truly striking, tremendous, extraordinary, and miraculous, they said. Malkin then says to start her article, if all of this sounds too good to be true, then congratulations, your BS detector is fully charged and operational. And she's absolutely right. What Malkin notes, is Big Pharma cannot tell you how long the alleged protection of a uh, COVID-19 vaccine lasts. Big Pharma has absolutely zero data on children's responses to their inoculations, even as schools across the globe prepare to mandate them as a condition to continue education. Big Pharma can't tell you the synergistic effect of uh, COVID-19 vaccines with other vaccines you may have had. And the major point here, as far as I'm concerned, Big Pharma cannot tell you about the long-term side effects of their warp speed vaccines. Also, don't forget, vaccine makers are exempt from lawsuits for any, uh, you know, side effects and long-term disabilities from these things. So how was this vaccine rushed through the trials? Well, Pfizer tested 43,500 people of which only 94 were identified as having COVID, or two-tenths of 1%, just to show how small of a number that actually is. Moderna's trial was of 30,000 people, of which 95, or three-tenths of 1%, were identified as having COVID. All this rolls up to tests being administered on people who are extremely low risk of contracting COVID-19. Sounds like a great way to run up effectivity rates to me. Vaccinate the low risk. They don't get it. We have the marketing in place, then, that this is a very effective vaccine. The British Medical Journal saw through this BS, however. They noted that people with a cough and positive COVID tests qualified as positive cases. We all know that the tests are flawed and that they spin them to the point where they can find even the most minimal trace of the virus. Uh, The British Medical Journal also uh, points out, none of the trials are designed to detect a reduction in hospital emissions, use of ICUs, or even deaths. Nor are the vaccines being studied to determine whether they can interrupt transmission of the virus. Obviously, that's not how they are being marketed. Marketing is promoting these vaccines as being able to do all of those things. So if they are not studying the prevention efficacy of these vaccines, what is the point of them then? My sense is that it's uh, for the government bureaucracies to appease their corporate masters. Even Moderna's own chief medical officer throws doubt onto the necessity of this vaccine. He told the British Medical Journal that the company's trials lacked adequate statistical power to assess severe COVID-19 outcomes. That's because hospital admissions and deaths from COVID-19 are simply too uncommon in the population being studied for an effective vaccine to demonstrate statistically significant differences in a trial of 30,000 people. He goes on to say that uh, the same is true of its ability to save lives or prevent transmission. The trials are not designed to find out. Let me say that again. The trials are not designed to find out if this vaccine has a true ability to save lives or prevent transmission. So what were they designed to do then? What were these trials designed to find out? Well, it would seem to confirm that the vaccine uh, didn't kill people or make them irreversibly sick. That seems what these trials and really this vaccine was created to do. Now, we are talking about a virus with a 99.8% recovery rate for those under 70. The reality here is this pandemic and vaccine is more about a government power grab and subjugation of uh, the people to that government than it is about public health. I'll leave you with this. The saber rattling is already starting about mandatory vaccines and carrying a vaccine card, COVID 19 vaccine card. But I want you to remember we the people have the power to fight against this. We need to be ready to do so. In an Epic Times piece that I'll link in the description box, it describes how businesses and governments are pushing mandatory vaccination or negative tests to do things such as fly or attend concerts or events. Ticketmasters, one of these biggest uh, companies coming out with this stance so far, you know, I say if they want to go that route, fine, let them. They'll find a major loss of business. People are going to get the data on this vaccine and decide that it's not for them. I tr- truly believe that in everything I'm seeing. That and you know, people aren't going to support businesses that are going to make you test or get the vaccine. It's just that simple. The last ad here from this article is about the government of Denmark. Now, the government of Denmark uh, wanted to push a law mandating COVID, vaccine, uh, uh, COVID vaccines for its citizens, mandatory COVID vaccines for its citizens. But they had to abandon that law because those citizens took to the streets, banging pots and pans in protests, forcing the government to back off this silly law. Peaceful disobedience and protests work. Boycotting businesses will work. We have the power here. Let's use it. I'm grateful you've chosen to spend some time with me. I would truly appreciate it if you would subscribe to and share my podcast with friends and family. Please email me feedback. My address is livingwithliberty at usa.com. Follow and ring my bell for updates at my social media home on Parlor. My handle is at livingwithliberty. Liberty isn't a given. We must continue to fight and protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.